Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to the Black Women Widows Empowered Network, podcasting straight out of Charlotte, North Carolina, by way of Baltimore, Maryland. This is a very special annual holiday episode, folks, entitled Virtual Holiday Podcast Symposium, where the topic of this special podcast is Grieving While Black, Finding Resilience During the Holidays. Hey folks, this is Sabra Robinson, founder and creator of Black Women Widows Empowered, where you can catch us online at blackwomenwidowsempowered.com, Today's Widow Women of Color Magazine on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So we have a great lineup for you today of widows and a widower. We have Oh gosh, we have Dr. Sarah Williams from from Chesapeake, Virginia. We have Dr. Geneva Williams out of Detroit. We have Kimberly Holmes Wiggins representing Eastern Shore, Maryland, Salisbury. We have Minister Gwen Wayne, Little Rock, Arkansas. We have Carol Davis from Orlando, Florida. We have Latrice L. Davis from Chicago, Illinois. And we have Robert Dr. Bob Wright out of New York City. So let's get started, folks, and get straight to discussing grieving while Black, finding resilience during the holidays. All right, all right, all right. Our first guest, uh, first up, we have Dr. Sarah Williams. Can you hear me? I can hear you. So proud and happy to be here. Awesome. So, everyone, this is Dr. Sarah Williams out of Chesapeake, Virginia, and her subtopic is with mistletoe and memories, a discussion of widowhood and surviving the holidays. So, who is Dr. Williams? Oh, man, let me tell you who she is. I met her on Instagram. I'm, I'm meeting everybody on Instagram. I'm telling you, um, Dr. Williams. This is who she is. She's a licensed psychotherapist and a walking billboard for career women, for those who desire to reach boss mom goals. Uh, Known as the celebrity psychotherapist, she is devoted to ending the mental health stigma. She's also the TV host and creator of her own television show, Dr. Sarah After Dark. She was also a consultant for members of the Surviving R. Kelly docu-series, docu-series, y'all, and also a guest clinical evaluator for the A&E TV docu-series Intervention. Wow. Although a therapist to the stars, Dr. Sarah still maintains her private practice and specializes in providing services to women of color, widows, the military, and parents of children with autism or special needs. So, folks, you can visit her at imdrsarahwilliams.com or you can follow her at drsarah.w. 
All right. Okay, Dr. Sarah, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like oh, a special great. person. This is a special Christmas gift for me to be able to come and be a part of the show today. It really is. Oh. You, you're making my holiday already. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you made mine. I'm telling you. I'm just so excited. I have goosebumps. I do. Everyone um, that's part of this podcast, I am so humbled. I am so humbled. I am truly. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. But I prayed this morning, and I am just so on fire, and I know you are as well and, and the rest of the speakers. So what this is is basically a presentation, a, a conference, so be it, online. We're virtual. So just imagine yourself speaking in front of people, you know, at a podium, and just present to them what you, you know, what you would present to them, just present here online for our virtual listeners. So I'm going to hand it over to you um, just to talk about your subtopic with mistletoe and memories, a discussion of widowhood and surviving the holidays. And I'm going to hand it over to you. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. Absolutely. Yes, with mistletoe and memories, surviving the holidays, that topic came to me out of prayer. This will, in 20, 2019, will make my fourth holiday as a widow. On November, 20, mm. November 2015, in the early hours of the morning, I became a widow. Uh, after my husband was diagnosed with cancer in the early part of the year, uh, when they located the cancer, it was unfortunately extensively uh, and he pursued treatment uh, just as a matter of having more time for me and the children. Uh, he had a valiant fight, and we did everything we could. And he hung in there until the day after Veterans Day. So actually, November the 12th is the anniversary of my husband's passing. My presentation today mm. is in memory of him and all the things that I know that he wanted me to do with this pain. From this pain, I found my purpose. I found my platform. I found an opportunity that there are so many other people, unfortunately, that are just like me. They are trying to manage children, be church members, uh, have careers, um, manage their lives. And while they walk around being in a grief-stricken state, when we think of a widow, we oftentimes think of an individual that is someone older. Uh, generally, we think of, say, my mother was a widow. Our grandmothers were widows. Yeah. Uh, our grandfathers are widowers. Support mm-hmm. groups and a lot of the support systems in the area are tailored towards individuals that are older. I found it very difficult to locate services and support systems for a widow in her 40s with children that were only nine years old. That was a very unique experience. I'm easily classified as a single parent, but I'm not classified as a widow parent very easily. So mm. with this platform, I just want to first and foremost thank you. Thank you for finding me on Instagram. Thank you for <laughs> giving me this opportunity because 
it gives me more strength. And I think mm-hmm. before we end all of this, all of, all of us have some well-deserved tears that we can shed, but it's really tears out of joy and relief, too, that we have found our connectedness. And in my presentation today, my genuine hope is that those that are part of the presentation and the listeners will somehow walk away with a unique understanding and a sensitivity to what we experience, particularly the holidays. The holidays overall is usually a season of joy. People think of family. People are running around buying gifts. They're they're loving the time off work. They're traveling to see relatives. They are holding on to those traditions. But Mm -hmm. what if you find yourself in the holiday season and there's a significant loss? Because for me, the holidays are unique. I unfortunately lost my mother in 2012 to cancer in December of 2012. And in 2015, in November, it was my husband. So the holiday season for me was a very unique experience because I lost two major people in my life right before Thanksgiving and then right before Christmas. Mm. So what what do I do with that pain? You know, in, in essence, any time it's Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving, or Christmas, the grief experience magnifies the stress of the holiday. Yes, because it does. Because you have to almost reflect and appear to have this normalcy. You are the green grouch if you don't tend to go along with what society is expecting of you. Now, where does the mistletoe fit in? The mistletoe is basically it's a folklore. And actually, the baseline of mistletoe has to do with a grieving person, a grieving mother that through her tears brought her her child back to life. It's about having life after death. Now, and from a spiritual sense, we can look at mistletoe as an emblem of love that conquers death. Mm-hmm. So we know in the natural realm there's no way for us to bring someone back to life. But what if we as widows had that mistletoe in our home and it was a way of symbolically bringing the memories that were good for us, that the strong and the strength and the good things that we had with that person stay with us. So with memories and mistletoe, we're able to somehow survive the holidays with knowing that we did have a life with that person. They are still present with us in the spiritual realm and that life moves forward Maybe not on in a sense of the way it was, but it does move forward. And with that, I tend to find a brightness and for the most part, locating different traditions than what you had before because you have to recognize your new normal. So as part of the new normal for for the Williams Tolliver family, my children and I, we use that time, and it's designed for travel for things that we ordinarily would not do. We've had Christmas in the islands. We've had Thanksgiving uh, at a hockey game. We do everything that's about as non-traditional as you can imagine. We love yeah. Charlotte. We love the Hornets. So we might find uh-huh. ourselves there for Thanksgiving this year. That's right. 
I foresee that we will take our loss during the holidays and make use of these passports that have been collecting dust. Because for us, we don't want to intrude on other people's holidays. And what if we wake up on Christmas Day and we're not singing with joy that we're crying because we need to shed a tear? We do that within Mm. our own little family unit and we draw strength from each other because we have that shared experience. So again, I'm so delighted that I was able to just offer a little bit of insight. And of course, the intent is to increase sensitivity because in our social circles, yes, widows are in your circle. They do exist. They may be silent. They may not appear to be hurting. They may be quiet about their pain, but it is there. And I would like to encourage anyone that knows of someone in that situation, don't wait on them to ask for help. Reach out to them. If they say no, go back again and ask again. Or how about this? Just show up with a big bouquet and say, hey, just wanted to stop by. I don't have to come in. I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. Those are things, small things that we can do to let people know in our community that we care and that widows, we're not out here alone and we do, in fact, exist and we're a viable part of our community and we do need that support. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much. Memories and mistletoes. Life moves forward, absolutely. And we've got to remember our widows and our social circles. I like that. I like that because a lot of widows rely on social circles, even online. And that's the you know, reason why I created Black Women Widows Empowered. So thank you so very much for, um, you know, being a part of this show and just spreading the love and spreading, you know, the knowledge to others who are grieving during the holiday. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Now, pushing forward, let's get ready for our next speaker in this awesome lineup, y'all. We have another Dr. Williams. They're not related. It seems we have a couple of ladies here with the same last name, but I promise you they're not related. At least that's not, that's what I, you know, at least that's not what I, that's what I, I don't think they're related, put it that way. You never know. But um, Dr. Williams, her name is Dr. Geneva Williams. She's straight out of the birthplace of Motown Records, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Dr. Geneva Williams, her subtopic is making holiday plans. Create your most vibrant life in widowhood. So this former Miss Black Fit and Fine Beauty Pageant winner and award-winning nonprofit executive is on the line, y'all. She's a leadership strategist and podcaster of Ignite to Impact that features insightful conversations with innovative leaders in business, nonprofits, government, and the arts, and can be heard on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. She's also the author of a new book. It just came out, and it's called Living Life Over 50, Secrets to Finding Love, Your Vibrant Style, and What's Next for You and What's Next 
for you, and it's available on Amazon.com. And you could visit you can visit Dr. Geneva at www.drgenevaspeaks.com, or her handle is at Dr. Geneva Speaks. And I am so honored to have her on this call. Dr. Geneva, how are you doing today? Fine. Faith, oh, I am just, I'm just wonderful. Now, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. I, okay, I, I great. Have okay now. All right. Yes. Well, it is such a delight to be here with you. How are you? Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a privilege. Thank you. Thank you. I am fine. I, you know, I am so honored to have you on here. I'm so honored to have found you, number one, yes. and number two, that you've accepted, you know, um, the opportunity to speak on this podcast. So I am like, I mean, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, God, every, my dreams are coming true. Everyone is saying yes. <laughs> yes. And it was, it, it was just well, so easy, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's because of what you do. And so back at you, thank you so much for what you do for uh, widows, particularly women, black women, who mm-hmm. are working their way through these challenges. Thank you so much. Oh, you are welcome. You are welcome. And we love to hear more of, you know, what you have to offer us, what, you know, making holiday plans, how we can create our Mm. most vibrant life. I follow you Mm -hmm. on Instagram and Facebook. I'm like, oh, my goodness, she is just Mm -hmm. all in myself. Because I am <laughs> over 50, and I just, mm-hmm. I, I just okay. love what you write. I do. And I'm going to get your book. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get the book. I told you Great. I was, and I will. Yes. So thank, thank you. you. And I'm glad you selected that cover, and thanks for asking everybody our feedback. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Well, again, Sabra, just thank you so much for this opportunity, uh, particularly at this time in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was about three years ago, and I'm, I'm in my bedroom, and I'm on my knees, and I'm crying. Mm. And I just can't stop the tears flowing. And I've been on my knees, it seems like, for weeks. And it's so much so that it's become like a ritual. And as I'm on my knees, I have out these three documents, <laughs> and mm. I'm looking at them, and I'm looking through them, and what they are are obituaries oh, nice. of my mom, my dad, and my sweetheart, my soulmate, Otha, my husband. And I'm looking at these mm. obituaries, Saber, because they all left my life, left me within a very short period of time, about 18 months. And and so as I look at each one of these obituaries, the memories are coming back. And all I'm doing every night, it seems, for weeks is going into my room, being on my knees, thinking about them, crying. Because these are not only the three most important people important people ever in my life, but the three people that I've always been with in my life. I've never lived a day 
in my life. And here I'm in my mid-60s, never lived a day in my life without one of them. And so, you know, it's tough. I'm wow. grieving, I'm pain, I'm scared, I'm confused, I, I'm fearful. You know, I'm not just grieving. I'm all these other mm-hmm. emotions that, frankly, I just don't know what to do with. And as I look at my mom and I remember all she told me about being myself and, you know, caring for myself and loving her and my dad who taught me about responsibility and civil rights because he was a civil rights leader. And then I look at the obituary of my husband, my sweetheart, and, you know, he was my soulmate. Mm. This was a man I met on a Wednesday in 1974. And on that, we were both speaking. We were both speaking at a conference and uh, in Detroit. And I came from the East Coast to the conference, and he was already there. We met. On that Wednesday, that Friday, we were walking down the street holding hands, looking at furniture, because we had decided we were going to be together forever. And uh-huh. in fact, a year, late, a year later, we were married and were together for 40 years until cancer took him. Oh, wow. And so as I look at his obituary, my mom's obituary, my dad's obituary, and I'm dealing with this, you know, heavy sense of loss and grief that... Everyone on this, you know, on this podcast knows what I'm talking about. I I know that as I'm looking at these obituaries, that one night I looked and I discovered that they had something in common, and that was the hyphen, that horizontal stroke that connected was between the day they were born. And the day that they oh, died. Yeah. And I began to look at that hyphen, think about that hyphen, and I realized that in that hyphen was what I loved. In that hyphen was who they were. In that hyphen, which we all have in common, the when we are born and when we die, but what we do in between is what matters. And so I'm looking at it, and I say to myself, that's where the meaning is. And frankly, I found my life in that hyphen, in that meaning. Mm. Because I said to myself, Mm. I need to find a way to keep on living. (laughs) Because that's what they would want me to do. That's what I wanted to do. I really did. What it was was I didn't know how to get up. (laughs) I didn't know how to take that next step. So I began to try to figure out, well, how do I get up? So I got up on one knee, you know, from one knee, and I began to think about um, purpose and meaning and values. And these were things, Sabre, that in my career as a nonprofit exec as a leader of an organization in my training and um, in my background in educational leadership, those were the things that we learned. We learned how to, and I learned and was trained to how to put together a vision, how to work with people to identify their core values, how to make impact in the community. And I said, well, maybe some of that I need to use as I try to get up because 
what I needed to do was to reimagine myself differently because it was going to be Mm. different if I wanted to move forward and I wanted to move forward. And so I got on one up from one knee and then I got up on the other and I began to think about, okay, if I find this meaning, if I discover my purpose, if I had this vision of this reimagined life, I'm going to have to put a game plan together. I'm going to have to have goals and all those things I would teach my employees and I worked with in my organization. I'd have to have all those things. I'd have to know how to put together a set of action steps that would move me forward that would where I can also think about myself and my strengths and what do I have and how can I use all this to move forward. So I ended up standing on two feet, but wobbling. I mean, I was real wobbling. And then I began to think about, okay, so I'm going to find some strength in self-care. And how do I begin to even take care of myself even more? And uh, the sleeping and the exercising and all of that that I used to do, but I'd have to be more intentional about it if I wanted to stand up tall and walk and create that meaning. And, and you know, Sabre, them first few steps back into my life, mm-hmm. they were tough. They were wobbly. I'd fall down all the time. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. But, but, there was, but I had to do that. I had to do it and inter- incremental them small steps and try to find and rebuild a support system. And so, you know, it, it, uh, it's funny when we talk about, you know, making those changes. You know, it was three, four years ago, and every day was something different. It's a process. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to get up. You have to. And so I found my meaning, my next steps, because that's what it was. It was about trying to figure out those next steps. I found it in that hyphen. <laughs> I found mm, it in, I like that. It's about, it's about the meaning and me finding meaning and purpose. So now I got to tell you, I'm living my best life. <laughs> I yeah. lanes in my career. I went from a nonprofit executive to an entrepreneur and a top businesswoman. I got a new book out. I'm a podcaster and author. And I really feel as though because of that meaning, that purpose and trying to, and figuring that out and, you know, those next steps. And so now I'm devoting, um, investing my time, devoting uh, what I do to helping others, particularly women, figure out those next steps and take those next steps. Uh, and when you're a widow, it's tough. It really, really is. And it is. I so love that your topic talks about resilience. And, and you know, in, in the dictionary defines <laughs> resilience either as um, – uh, you're tough, uh, and you quickly recover with quick some things from difficulties, or you can spring back. Well, I'm in the spring back side of the <laughs> definition of resilience. I I can't say I was tough. I, I I don't know, and I certainly didn't recover quickly. 
but I did bounce back, and I believe everyone can bounce back. But the things you have to do. So I'd like to leave with uh, you, you and your listeners, with what I call six gifts uh, to okay. you to create your most vibrant life and and for this holiday season. And I think the first one is what I discovered, and that was reimagine, find your purpose and meaning, and you know, find your big thing. Look what fires you up, what you love, what you're passionate about what you love doing, what inspires you. And this can help you with your resilience because it can help you bounce back. If you know what it mm-hmm. is that you're about and you're passionate, and to do that journal, right, we all know that when you write down something, it helps you focus and achieve. Do some yoga um, and uh, use that as a way to bounce back. I think secondly, the gift I want to give is to say to folk to be intentional and you know living intentionally I I do believe is really integral to staying true to your life purpose it helps you it because you know it's no good to have a dream or a passion if you lay back about it if you casual right be intentional go get it give your purpose the care and attention that uh, it deserves and then I think another gift uh I want to share is the gift to know the importance of identifying your superpower. Uh, you know, oh. Everybody has something they do where they excel. And particularly as you're going through this grieving process, I know it's tough, but at some point you're mm-hmm. going to want to, you're going to want to come back. And one of the right. ways to come yeah. back is to think about what you're good at and focus mm-hmm. on that. And embrace your emotions is another gift. You know, sometimes we have to go with the flow of those emotions, the grief and the pain, yes, is there. Um, but we have to find ways not to suppress it. Talking about, yeah. like, what you're doing and, and giving people a platform and being able to join support groups and express your emotions is important. I also think two other gifts that I'd like to leave with your listeners to think about, to breathe and take a step back sometimes. Sometimes you just got to yeah. take a deep breath. <laughs> you know, you just got, it's going to be okay. Just take mm-hmm. a deep breath, step back and reflect, and it'll be okay. And then finally, savor, um, and I think this gift for this giving season for me um, was so important, and that is do something for someone else. Yes, absolutely. Take the, take the attention off yourself for a moment Yep. Yeah. and go volunteer. Go to a homeless shelter. Help a young kid read. Uh, do something with your church. Um, pay it forward. And pay it forward, yeah. Do something for others, and that'll, you know, help you through what I know are difficult times, but you can do it, and you can live your most vibrant life next. Yes, yes, thank you so much. Oh, my goodness, these six gifts, I'm going to wrap them up under my tree. Good. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. You found your vibrant life in the hyphen. Ooh, I like that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. This is an honor. 
Oh, my goodness. Um, I've, I've had Dr. Williams number one and Dr. Williams number two. <laughs> I just consider it a blessing. I do. Thank you so much. And I want you Thank to you. enjoy your holidays as well. Thank All you. Right. All right, everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, everyone. Next up, we have with us Kimberly Holmes Wiggins out of Salisbury, Maryland. Um, her subtopic is 2020 Vision with Cloudy Glasses. And simply put, how to envision a positive future for yourself after the worst thing that has ever happened to you. Kimberly is currently a morning anchor at WBOC-TV, Delmarva's number one source for news in Salisbury, Maryland. Uh, she also helped to co-found a faith-based online retail company called Still His, which offers products for widows and widowers interested in sharing the love for the Lord through her merchandise. She is also a contributor to Widowed But Not Wounded, the hustle and flow of 13 resilient black widow women, which was uh, developed by Black Women Widows Empowered. It was a book compilation, and she graciously offered to be one of the authors. So thank you, Kimberly. And she's also, oh, yes, yeah, she's also a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, and she may be contacted at www.stillhis.com or Instagram at stillhis, still hers, and that's her handle. And so, Kimberly, how are you? I am well, lovely lady. It is always a pleasure to hear your voice. How are you? Oh, I am fine. I am fine. Every time I hear your voice, you always bring a smile on my face. <laughs> I, I have to say, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for putting this together. I mean, I know we've, you've, you've heard it. But you really are a light in such a dark space. And everything that you do, all the tools you provide, all of the help, all of the work, putting together this podcast and everything else, it's needed. And unfortunately, it is needed. Unfortunately, everyone here talking today knows the pain and many people listening do too. But thank yeah. you. Thank you for going out of your way to do this because we, we need you and we are so grateful Aww. for you. Oh, we need you, too. And, guys, you have to check out Kimberly's Instagram, please. Oh, my, oh my gosh. She is, oh, my gosh. She is such a joy. She, she provides every morning. She'll, she'll dance to a, she'll groove to a, to a tune, and it could be any tune. It could be country. It could be dead. I mean, it could be anything. You'll be surprised. I'm telling you. I was like, oh, my gosh, look at her. I could not do that. I could not do that. It's a mess. It, it's, it's such a, mess. a joy. It's such a joy. You bring you bring a lot of light to so many people who are in dark spaces. So I want to just thank you for just being a joy and even watching you. I can, you know, I'll see videos on YouTube where you're, you know, just, just just sharing the news at WBOC TV, and it's just such a light to watch you. And they are so, oh, my gosh. I know it's a blessing for you to be there. And um, just thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. 
And let's right. get to the nitty gritty. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just jump in. I, I honestly I can't believe we are here talking about the holidays. Yeah. And yeah. I can't believe we are weeks away from twenty twenty and a a new year, yeah. a new decade. And really, it really is going to be a new season for all of us. But the thing mm-hmm. that we can't get away from, and even though, you know, you put one foot in front of the other, it's, of course, being here with a big old W on your chest for living the widowed life. Mm. And mm. for me, one thing that's hard to believe is that it has uh, officially been three and a half years since my world was taken from me. And my husband, yeah. Rashid, went to Walgreens for Swedish fish and on his way home, mm. He stood in the median in front of our complex in Orlando, Florida, and he was hit by a car that kept going, and then he was hit by another car, and then he was hit by a third car. Um, That third car finally stopped, and Rashid died in the middle of the street before I even knew before I even knew something was wrong. And Mm. my whole world, like we all know, has changed since then. And like so many of us, I lost my ability to dream after losing Rashid. And I lost my ability to smile. And it took me about two years before things, you know, started to kind of make sense again. Uh, But really, it's been in this fourth year of widowhood when I started to care about my future. And I wanted to think that things could be better and life can Mm -hmm. be better and it really does start in your mind and one thing that has become clear especially in my widow journey is you can't have 2020 vision with just 10 percent of the story and we feel like we know everything we feel like what we're feeling like right now is going to be what we feel and what we deal with the rest of our lives but some things you just have to live and watch unfold You know, I think we all can understand that time does not heal all wounds, but I read somewhere it it gives you the tools to deal with them, and that really does Mm hold true for me. And like the everyday tasks that became infinitely more difficult in this widowed world, um, I I come to think of one thing that really has plagued me this year. And I had chores as a child, as most of us did, but none of them included yard work. And so my current home has a good size yard. And after my budget really needed some breathing room, I decided to get rid of my lawn service at the beginning of this year. You know, we make these decisions. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. had arrived. It was time to pull weeds and plant the flowers and cut the grass. And there are things that many people are great at, but to me it sounded like Russian. And it felt like it when I was trying to do it. But I was determined to get through this year, just like we do with many parts of this widowed life. And week after week after week after sometimes every other week, after sometimes maybe every two weeks, I pulled out the mower and tried to make things look presentable. And again, like we do with a lot of parts of our lives in this widowed this widowed life that we live. And by the mm-hmm. time the first week fell, uh, in September, early October, I was ready. I was ready for a break, and honestly, I was ready to embrace death again, that season dying. And as Mm. tired as I was, I started to realize, though, if I could pull a little bit out of myself right now, it would set me up for a better experience come spring. I don't know what spring holds. I don't know what it's going to look like, but something in my spirit 
I kept saying that. And I desperately did not want to cut the grass again a few weeks ago. We had our first chill. The leaves were all over the place. But <laughs> my, my yard looked a mess, and it really needed it. And I waited three weeks, finally decided I needed to mow the yard one more time, rake the leaves, pull, pull the weeds. I needed to do the work now so I could produce an environment that was optimal for growth later. So I resigned to do what I could now. I mowed, raked, pulled, tugged until literally tears ran down my cheeks. And I was mad at the world for having all of these household duties dumped onto my poor plate again. And that's what we do this life, especially during this season, you know. But we we find these tools that help us. And whether it's therapy, meditation, Bible study, naps, eating an entire box of cupcakes and a bottle of wine for lunch and dinner. I have done them all, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I think it's okay. But when I can, I try to pull myself out of the spiral. And I think when you can, you need to take a few minutes, figure out what works for you, and do what Mm -hmm. you can to set yourself up for success later in your spring. And I think we need to remember you will hit rock bottom at some point in your life. We know this. Definitely. Sometimes you'll hit it a few times, but you will also reach the top again. And you won't be the same person, and that's okay. And just as the little seed must be buried and rained upon, sometimes we have to go through difficult seasons to reach our greatest levels. We don't like it. Mm-hmm. It's usually still terrible. And because those difficult times are when we grow the most, often, you know, and we grow more than we ever really could imagine. And often God cuts us back when we're bearing some fruit so that we can bear the most fruit. Now, I'm not saying you won't love what you lose, and I'm not saying you wouldn't give anything to hold onto that thing or that person you had to lose, but I am saying that God will never waste any of your pain. You don't know what your next chapter includes. You can't have 2020 vision with just 10% of the story. You don't know how the pieces mm. all fit together. But you do have to make peace with your story. And it doesn't mean it's your first choice. It doesn't mean you're not going to have crying fits. It doesn't mean that folks won't get it and you won't wish it upon someone else, anyone else but you. But the fact is, this is the only life you have been given. So it's okay to not be okay. I never would have chosen this life. But the thing is, how do you find joy in life after the unthinkable thing happens? And that's exactly yeah. why we're here today and what we're talking about. It's about resilience. And it's that yeah. thing that yeah. allows people to be knocked down by life but come back even stronger. And psychologists have actually noted that a positive attitude, optimism, the ability to see failure as a form of feedback, is something that is invaluable as resilience and something that really can help you grow and live a healthy life. And I have found five things that really fit under this resilience umbrella that have really also helped me shape my outlook on life and continue to put one foot in front of the other. So here they are for me. Um, the first thing, okay. it really honestly is rooted in, in, again, rooted in science, but it's remember your comeback. So when times are tough, mm-hmm. we, of course, we like to remind ourselves that other people, like a friend or um, someone we've read about or, you know, someone on TV, they, they had cancer, they had it worse. And while that may be true, you will get a bigger resilience boost by reminding yourself of the challenges you have overcome. And just being here today 
and dealing with grief and losing a part of your heart and living with that is huge. Remind yeah. yourself of all the steps you have taken, that you swore, all the days you swore you would not get through, that you did. And that honestly can really help you survive this and get past surviving to thriving again. Secondly, it's supporting others. That's not a surprise, but you really can get a bigger resilience boost by giving support, reaching out to someone. If someone has just lost a spouse, checking on them and doing the things that you wish someone would have done for you or the things that work that someone did do for you. Third, take stress breaks. Uh, The key Mm -hmm. there is really to recognize that you will never eliminate stress from your life. Obviously, losing your spouse is horrific, but there are so many things that are stressful, and a lot of them are big, but a lot of them are small, and it's taking a second to try to center yourself. It's taking a second or a few minutes to walk outside, to have lunch with a friend, do something. It doesn't always require a great deal of money or time. Vacations are wonderful, but we all can't do them. We can't do them every time something's stressful. But it is unplugging, especially when you realize you are about to go into overdrive. Next, it's get out of your comfort zone. So resilience doesn't just come from negative experiences. You actually can build a tank of resilience by putting yourself in challenging situations scientists have found. So there's actually, you know, if you take an adventure vacation or you train to run a a marathon or a half marathon or 5K, that actually can help you respond to more stressful situations. And lastly, it's learning how to rewrite your story. I mean, clearly sometimes your story will change because of disappointment, loss, and one of many of life's many, many setbacks. But if you're anything like me, you like to envision how things will be then if you do this thing now. And what happens if you can't even figure out how things look now? So how can you figure out how things look later? It's just learning how to reframe your personal narrative. And so maybe it's, I don't know what things are going to look like then. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I know I'm going to get through this. And I may not look how I want to look, and it may not look how I envisioned it looking, and it may not be the dream that I dreamt 5, 10, 15 years ago, but it still can be something beautiful, and God can take that and rewrite your ending in a way that you never yeah. could have imagined. And so life really is a delicate balance of holding on and wishing for and accepting where you are and the cards you've been dealt. And that story, your honest story, it probably includes the the beauty of love and happy moments, plus a little sadness, mixed with a hint of hope. And that really is a well-lived, well-rounded life. So sometimes the very obstacles you knew were meant to break you down can allow you to be rebuilt in an incredible manner, bringing you to a destiny you could never imagine. So I leave you with this, soldier up, woman on. You've got this. 2020 is just the beginning. And remember, you only have 10% of the story right now, but someone else has 2020 vision, and he knows the ending is going to be beautiful. Oh, oh, wow. 2020 vision with 10% of the story. I like that. 20 slash 20, and then the and then the year 2020. Ah, exactly. I like that. Yeah, exactly. And then you left us five gifts. Oh goodness, I'm I'm feeling spoiled today. 
<laughs> was awesome. Thank you so much, Kimberly. I wish we could talk more, but hey, that's another story. Um, so be on the lookout for that, everyone. I think um, uh, you guys may maybe maybe uh, welcome back again at another time and place. So that's another story, like I said. But anyway, thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you so much. You stay warm. And especially doing that yard work, that yard work. I know. Stay warm because it is freezing. It is freezing. All right. Thank you so much. And we're going to move on to Minister Gwen Wayne. She is out of Little Rock, Arkansas, and her subtopic is grieving out loud, y'all. Gwen is an evangelist. She's a life coach. She's a grief coach and an online influencer who, get this, whose five-minute Christian inspirational video hit over not one million, but two million views with over 40,000 shares. Oh, my gosh. Her mission is to lead others to Christ, to love as Christ loves, and to run this race by faith. Yes. In 2013, Evangelist Wayne started chronicling chronicling her her life's journey as she stood faithfully with her husband of 32 years as as he fought cancer. And so she was a caregiver. And with an anointed touch, she also offers an environment of unconditional love and support to enhance the healing and spiritual growth of those who have faced the loss of a loved one. And you may reach her at her handle, at Gwen Wayne 37 Oh, my goodness. All right. Evangelist, are you on the line? I am. Hello, Cypress. Hi. Listen, how I am, are you? I am, I am well. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. I'm excited today. Look, I am excited as well. First of all, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to share with Black Women Widows Empowered, and I want to just love on mm-hmm. you for a minute. You have been such an inspiration to me and so many others, and I know in the midst of your pain, it takes a whole lot to pour into others, and you have done that, and you've done it with love, and it's been so effective for me. And so even though mm-hmm. we don't know each other, you know, personally, I know you. I feel your heart, and I appreciate all mm-hmm. the hard work that you put into this. It really did you have not done anything in vain. I love you for it. Oh, thank so, you. Back uh, at you. You've been such a uh, – thank you for, for being a part of Black Women, Widows, and Power. And you've been a part for several years, almost since we started, yes. on, you know, in the yes. online group. And you've offered to, you know, have your husband. I, I honored your husband in a post yes. um, just yes. to, you know, tell everyone, get everyone familiar with, you know, Black women widows, empowered, and, you know, we are who we are and who our husbands were. And so I am honored to know you, and um, I'm so very sorry for your loss and everyone else's loss as well on this call. Um, Um, As always, I love you. you all, and you're doing a fantastic job moving forward. And I just, I just, I'm blessed to know each and every one of you, and you as well, oh, Minister oh. Gwen. So I've seen you progress. 
and into ministry, and I said I have yes. to have her on this call. I have to. <laughs> I have to. Well, I'm, I appreciate you. I really, really do. You know, uh, we're all part of a group that we never wanted to be a part of, and exactly. that is being widows. And uh, and so I had a really hard time with that label for a while, but and then yes, I said if yes. I don't wear that label, you know, if I don't have that label, then it doesn't, you know, point to the fact that I was married and that I did love someone. Mm. And all you right. see what I mean? So, right. then, so, so that did help me embrace that. So today I'm just going, my presentation is breathing out loud. You know, when someone passes away, the first thing we do is recoil. And we get silent. We don't want to talk to anybody. And, you know, when we do that, we do ourselves a disservice. And, you know, my husband passed away it'll be four years in November, and he left such a beautiful legacy. But guess what? I would rather he be here. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he left me with five children, three grandchildren. He was a firefighter. Mm. And, uh, you know, they're, they're learning a whole lot now about what firefighters are exposed to with the chemicals and stuff uh, when they go into burning buildings and if their breathing apparatuses are, you know, effective or not. And so he developed mm-hmm. a rare form of cancer. And can I tell you, I wouldn't trade anything for those 18 months that we went, you know, I chronicled chronicled a journey to a miracle because that's what we believed God was going to do. And and then God had to deal with me because I thought, you know, I was praying for his healing. And, you know, there are two healings that we can have. One is physical and the other one is divine. And so Mm -hmm. my husband got a divine healing. If he had got the physical one, he'd be here with me. But divinely, he went to heaven, and so that's that's okay. I honor what God allows. And so um, on November the 15th, he took his last breath. And Sabre, I'll just tell you, it was just like I couldn't take my next breath. Mm, it was a week yeah. before the holidays. Mm. It was a week before Thanksgiving. <gasps> and and then we and then uh huh and then we did we buried him the day before my husband. I mean the day before my son's birthday. So oh, it changed no. a lot of special days for us, you know. Yes, and uh, yes. and if I can be trans, if I can be transparent, I've lost a lot of other family members. I lost my grandparents, my father, even my mother. But this was different. Mm-hmm. There were no okay. words yeah. for the pain. Yeah. You know, I mean, no because I left yeah. my mother's home when I was twenty, and I was married to him for thirty-two years. So I was with him longer than I was with my mother. And so, um, and so mm. mentally, I knew he was gone. But my heart couldn't make the connection. You know, that pain was just something that makes you want to be quiet because grief is disrespectful. It will put you mm. in a chokehold in the supermarket, at the stoplight, on your yes. job. You Walmart. never know when it's going to show up. You know, yes. so I call it disrespectful, you know. But anyway, you know, and as black women, we are seen, you know, we're depicted as being strong. And we are. I mean, mm-hmm. black women do a lot of things. But the strongest person has weak moments. And so we have to recognize yeah. those moments and be willing to receive help, you know, when people offer it. And as a minister, I had to just rely on what I knew. So I prayed, and I had an honest conversation with God, and I asked him, where were you, God, when my husband took his last breath? We had been faithful Christians. He was a deacon, and, 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 and I had been faithful in ministry as well. And I was reminded that God was in the same place he was when his son was on the cross. There are some things that must happen. There are just some things that must happen. And so so I had to accept that. And so I realized that we don't have to like what's happening. We don't even have to really understand it. But we have to trust God. And in the midst of all of this, 
death had silenced my husband, but it didn't have to silence me. Oh, I realized yeah. it's a choice. It's a choice. I could choose to be sad or I could choose joy. So I chose the latter. Now, let's be clear. Choosing joy didn't mean I'm not hurt. It just means that I still realize that there's more life to live and there's more love to give. And so I've noticed that a lot of people, uh, after death, you have people all around you. You know, everybody's coming with chicken and they're coming to visit, you know, and doing all this stuff. But the day after the funeral, you can't find nobody. You have to deal with it all by yourself. And so that's when loneliness steps in, you know, and then people will ask you, I think it's out of routine, how you're doing, but they really don't want to hear the truth. They just want you to say you're okay. So what I started saying was all is well. And when I say all is well, it doesn't mean that it's good, but it's well. So, I mean, I'm doing as well, I'm doing as well as I can be with the circumstances. You see what I mean? And so yeah. in that, I realized how resilient I really am. I'm strong, I was stronger than I knew. So then I, start, I started relying on what I knew, which is the word of God. And so I told God, you know, I'm standing on your word. And in your word, you said, when we are weak, you are strong. And that, in so sense, I knew that you were strong, God. I need you to stand up strong in me so that people will know the, the God I serve is real. So I have a lot of people say, that will say, oh, you look so beautiful. And you do. it's really not the out, outward appearance that they're seeing. It's the inward appearance. It's the grace of God. Because God yeah. won't allow people to see what us widows yeah. really look like on the inside. Because we yeah, are tore up on the yeah. inside. We, yeah. You know, so yeah. we yeah. really are. We really, really are. And so I decided to engage with life again, you know. So I'm just going to, you know, everybody has, I've enjoyed all the other speakers, and they've given you a few nuggets to take away. So I'm just going to give a few as well. And so the first thing uh, I want to admonish everyone to do is deal with your grief. And when you deal with it, you acknowledge the pain of what has happened, but also go to therapy. There is nothing Mm. wrong with going to therapy and talking about it. And here's the deal. Therapists don't have all the answers, but they will give you tools to deal with the pain. And so what me and my children did, all five of my children, my two son-in-laws and my three grandchildren, we all went to therapy for three months. So for 12 weeks we did it. And I mean, and when I tell you I am so grateful for that because they are still in pain, but I can see the the joy coming back. And so I thank Mm -hmm. God for that, you know. And then the second thing is do something for you. I don't care if it's just going for a walk or, you know, hanging out with your friends, going on a girlfriend trip. What I decided to do was I enrolled in ministry school. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of my pain, I accepted the will of God for my life. And so now I'm a licensed minister and I'm doing life coaching, I'm doing grief coaching and all kinds of things because of who God is in my life. And so we have to remember that there's still more life to live and more love to give. And so, and then yeah. I decided, and so then I decided to dial in and write and write it down. And so when I wrote it down, then I started journaling my journey without my husband. Can I tell you, it is really cathartic to put into writing what is going on in your life. It is. It, it is. is. Yeah. It, it is. It is. And so, and so I started dialing, I dialed into that. And then I remembered that I wasn't the only one on this journey. So I decided to do something for others that I was familiar with the pain. 
And that, so I started a foundation for my husband. And so the cancer, I do it for cancer patients. And I remember the story with my husband. He was in the hospital, and he was talking about how cold he was with the chemothera- chemotherapy treatments. And so what I mm-hmm. did, Sabre, was yes. I, yes. I, I started a foundation, and I send blankets all over the U.S. to cancer patients. And the blankets oh. are red, and that's, what, uh-huh, and that's for the blood of Jesus. And then I have them all are embroidered with our foundation logo. And I always, and I send a little card in it, and I always let them know that we're believing God for your healing. And even oh, if you're in the room all by yourself, you're never alone. And hopefully this blanket is a gentle reminder that someone else is believing that you're going to make it through this. Mm, and that has blessed yeah. me more than, you know, it's blessed me more than you'll ever, ever know. And and oh, you, wow. as you mentioned earlier, as you mentioned earlier, my uh, I was invited to do a some encouraging words at a bridal shower, and I was hesitant about it because my husband had passed away, and so I don't know if you feel like this, Sabra. It's wonderful to see people getting married, and it's wonderful for people yes. to be in love, but it also reminds you of what you don't have. It does. Oh, speak it. And yes, it does. It does. It reminds you. But God gave me the strength to do it. And so I, unbeknownst to me, I just, you know, they just said, well, you just give words of encouragement to her. And so I just stood up and started speaking. And someone had the camera on, and then they loaded it on Facebook, and it took on a mm. life of its own. Yes, it did. And so, but yes, that, it did. And, and so we look in uh, 2.5 million views. Is God not amazing? Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Just for that, for that he, it, five it, minute tidbit. That's five. Amazing. It's amazing, but it's just like what you do. It just like reminds us that there's a need, and so I thank God yeah. that you continue to meet the need. And then the last thing I've done is I started a grief relief uh, group, and we meet every two months, and we discuss our journey, and I try to help you know help us empower each other and remind us that we are never alone no matter what's going on. And, you know, because on the journey, you can be in a room full of a 1,000 people, but when grief hits you, you feel like you're all by yourself. And yeah. so we meet and we, we meet and we love on each other, and, and God is doing great things. And so I decided uh, with Grieving Out Loud, it's all been based on my faith, Sabra. There are days I can mm. walk out my faith. Then there are days I have to crawl out my faith. And there are even days I cry out my faith. But the main thing is I never lose my faith. And so I encourage all our black women widows to be empowered to just grieve out loud. Don't do it silently. There is so much more life to live. And speak up, speak out, and live your best life because your best days are yet to come. All right. Thank you so much. Grieve out loud and have faith. And I'm going to have to get with you later so that I can find out more information about those blankets because my husband, um, I had nine months with him as well. And, um, oh, really? He went to, yes, he, he had chemotherapy and he had radiation. So I need to get with you about that. I'm really well, interested. Please do. So please thank do. you. Please. Yes. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, and this has been a blessing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, moving on, our next guest is Carol Davis from Orlando, Florida. Her subtopic is life after loss can still be beautiful. 
Uh, Carol is a songstress and actress who has participated in various stage plays, including Annie and A Raisin in the Sun as Mama, which was performed at the Orlando Museum of Art in Orlando, Florida. She also has performed in many other venues in New York City, including the Lincoln Center. She has done several projects, including local commercials, industrials, and independent films, and has recently landed the role of Clary in in Steel Magnolias. Congratulations. She married the love of her life, her soulmate, Greg Davis Sr., in 1982. And out of that union produced one amazing and talented son, actor Greg Davis Jr. And you may follow her on IG as well, Instagram, at Carol7Davis, the number seven. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and let's see. All right. Carol, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Sabra. All right, all right. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for your patience. I know we have um, we have a few more to go, but we're getting there. We're getting there, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to know you. I'm excited to have spoke with you, and I'm excited for the future, too, most definitely. And I'm excited to know you know, what you what you have to talk to us about today. Carol, are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Can you, All right, can good. You hear me? I thought I lost yes. you. <laughs> I can hear you now. I can hear you now. I know okay. sometimes these awesome. things, it, it can be quite difficult. So you, you're fine. You're doing well. You're doing good. So, Talk to yeah, us. Talk to yeah, us yeah. about your um about your subtopic that you're going to speak to us about. Life after loss can still be beautiful, and I definitely agree. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Saber, for this opportunity just to share on this podcast. And I have just been totally, totally enjoying all of the other speakers. I'm telling you, I can identify with everything. Oh my God. I'm I'm just so thrilled. Mm, yes, me too. But oh my goodness. Anyways, but so <laughs> my segment, <laughs> my segment is on life after loss can still be beautiful. And so some people might say, you know, as a widow, how can you say that? How can you say that that life after loss can still be beautiful when you lost the love of your life? Well, first of all, I was married for 32 years. And I had known my mm. husband for 40 years. Wow. We were, all, we were always together most of the time. Mm. And when you saw I one, imagine. you saw the other. Saw the other. You know, we, mm. we, were, we were always inseparable. That's a long time. You know, 40 years that's a, a long, long time. time. Yes, 40. yes. Okay. And, I, I mean, that's, it was almost half my life, you know. Um, yeah. He was always so supportive of everything that I did, you know, whether if I sang somewhere or I did this and that, he was always right there. And, you know, what what brings joy to my heart sometimes, I remember that sometimes when we would go to church and I had to sing, you know, he would always come and say, girl, you did it to me again, because he would always cry. Every time I sing, he would always cry. It's like, oh, my God. You know, but 
I mean, he, he was just he was just so amazing. But I remember the week of our 32nd anniversary, my husband, he got sick. And I took him to the hospital, at, you know, to find out what was, was going on. And, I mean, to the emergency room. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, the doctors tell me that his organs were shutting down and, that, you know, everything was just happening all at once. And then next thing I know, he passed. And I'm standing mm. there. I'm looking at the heart monitor. Um, before that, my son was living in California at the time, and he was calling back and forth, you know, finding out how his dad was. And and I, he told me to put the phone to his dad's ear, and I could hear my son, you know, talking to him, say, Dad, you know, I could hear him quoting scriptures, and I could hear him say, Dad, you know, we, get, you know, we know we love to watch football together and stuff, you know, so I need for you to make it or whatever. My husband, they had put him in, in a, um, induced him so that he was in a coma because he, you know, they had the oxygen mask on him at the time. And so he wasn't moving at all for, you know, several hours. But when he heard his son's voice, I mean, he mm. moved his head. He lifted his hand up off the bed with all the IVs in there, about ten inches off the bed, and then he he put it down. Oh. And then I looked, I looked at the heart monitor, and as my son was talking, the numbers on the heart monitor was going down, 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 and then it flatlined. <gasps> and all I could do is I became numb. I couldn't mm. I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything. And God would have it that my my two best friends were in the room with me at the time. And I'm telling you, I I just didn't even know what to do. I mean, I was just frozen and um I went through my time of grief and I eventually took my I had to go to therapy, you know, and it was always taboo especially in, in the black you know, community, oh, you know, going to therapy, that means this, that, and the other, whatever. But I was fighting for my life, and yeah. I knew that I needed to go, and I'm glad. And I heard one of the other speakers, you know, several other speakers saying about therapy, and it is so true. Going to therapy helps you. It. I learned about the, the various levels of grief and all of the things that was expected. So when those things started happening to me, I was able to recognize what was going on and then able to deal with it. But not only was I going through grief, but I also had physical uh, ailments that was going on at the same time. So I had a whole bunch of stuff that was going on with me. But I'm so grateful to Mm. God that I I had a supportive family my husband's family, I'm so blessed. My in-laws, they were very, very supportive. I had my sister friends, and I had a supportive church family that oh, really helped beautiful. me through the process. Because I could so not your, your life after loss is, is, is becoming more even more beautiful. Even by having that support. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, when I when I had looked around to to when I had looked, I 
I am motherless, I'm fatherless, and now a widow. So, you know, with all that was going on, I had just wanted to just kind of crawl up and just disappear. But how how could I do that? God had blessed me with an amazing son, and mm. I had to live for that, you know. And so one day while I was going through my, my moments, because we still have those moments, you know, it's been six years now that my husband has passed. But, yeah. you know, and I yeah. still have my moments. Yeah, we but all God had to remind me. Yeah. But God had to remind me that, um, that he gave his life so that I can live. He died for me Absolutely. so that I can have the right story of life. So... And he had to remind me that I still had a life to live and that I must embrace it and that yeah. I must live my life to the fullest. So I had to rediscover yes. myself. I had to yes, find out did. who I was again. So I, I had to find out what I love to do and to pursue it. And for me, that was performing. That was acting. So mm. I had done that, you know, that I had started acting and stuff years ago, but I had stopped that because I had, you know, moved to another state. I had got married. I had, you know, did a whole other career, whatever, so I hadn't touched that. So after my husband passed, that's when all of this came back up again. And so the, the director that I that I have now, he saw something in me that I didn't even know was was there again. But he gave me an opportunity, and then since then, you know, I've performed in Annie. I've done the Wiz. Yes, yes, beautiful, and, beautiful. And in 2020, in 2020, my calendar is filling up now. So I can't help but say life after loss can still be beautiful. Yes, How can absolutely. One How can one do that? How can one... Be resilient. First of all, you got to surround yourself with positive people, people mm-hmm. on a mission, people who are going places. All that, all that negative stuff, negative people. You got to get around from that. You got to get around from those people, and you got to find positive people with a positive mindset to do what you need to do. You can't be yeah. afraid to reach out. You can't be afraid to reach out. And to to help someone else, and I've heard the other speakers say that, which is true. Because in helping others, you're also helping yourself. Yeah, and I had to make a, con- a conscious a conscious decision to choose to be happy. Because yes, those moments will come. Yes, they will. But when it do, yeah. when it does, I had I have to get myself. I had to check myself, Carol. Nope. No, you choose to be happy because you still have a life to live. Absolutely. You have and to, we're, we're, we have about 15 and you have, more minutes left. Oh, okay. You have to, I have to find my passion and to pursue it, rediscover myself. And you have to remember that you are a child of God and that he will give you beauty for your ashes. And you know, and so, absolutely. <laughs> I like that. And there's, and there's an acronym that I made from the word widow because sometimes when people, you know, see widow, it, it has this negative connotation or what have you. 
But a widow yes. is this. I okay. am a woman. I am W for woman. I I am inspired. D, I am determined to live my best life. All right, oh, now. I am an overcomer. And W, oh. I am a winner. So if you yes. want to say that a widow, I'm a widow, yes, I am. A woman inspired, determined, overcoming, and winning. That's how you can be I with like that. I like that. I'm getting all these tidbits of, of, of gifts. I'm going to call them gifts, virtual gifts. I love this. Widow, <laughs> woman, inspired, determined, overcomer, and winner. Thank you so much for this. Oh, wow. Thank you, Carol. Yes, Life yes, after yes. loss can still be beautiful by Carol Davis of Orlando, Florida. Carol, thank you so much. I'm going to be in touch. You know that, right? <laughs> yes. yes We're going to be in touch right after this. Yes. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Right. Absolutely. All right, dear. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming up on the half hour. We have two more exciting speakers. Uh, upcoming. So next we have Latrice L. Davis of Chicago, Illinois. Um, her subtopic is Embracing Your Grief and Redefining Your Journey. Ooh, she is an entrepreneur. She's a widow. She's an advocate. She's a nonprofit um, leader in leadership development. She's a professional. She has more than 18 years of experience in nonprofit management, program and partnership development, management, staff training, and facilitation. She's a not one, but she's a two-time author. In book collaborations, congratulations. The Apple of His Eye is number one, book number one, y'all, and a newly, the newly released Sith stands on my shoulders. Wow. Her story of resilience has been, has been featured on blackdoctor.org. Now, that's big time. And I read the article. It was beautiful. It was uh, probably about a year ago that she was featured. She's been widowed since 2014 and lives on the south side of Chicago with her seven-year-old daughter. And she's also a proud member of, Delta, uh, I'm sorry, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And you can follow her on Instagram at L. Davis Speaks. Now, she is not related to Carol Davis. We have two Davises. We have two Williams. But it's an honor to have you, L. Thank you for joining. You. Are you on the call? I am. You there? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Thank you so much thank for being a part so of much. this. No, thank you for asking me. I truly appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate you sharing um, my stories and my posts and all of that. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, you were on blackdoctor.org. You know I had to get you right. <laughs> that was awesome. I, that, I was like, wait a minute, she's part of my group. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have yes. you. Oh gosh, it's such an yes. honor to have you. I've been watching you in the background, like I said. 
and just love to see your your smiling face and your and your posts and just everything about you is just awesome and just you knowing uh, I know Lysandra uh, uh, Lysandra as well Hutchinson um, it's mm-hmm. just Hutchinson mm-hmm. yes and it's just you know it's so good to be referred to other women, black women widows. And that's what it's all about. You know, we, we want to support one another and just by referring, you know, other widows to, to the group and to support it's that's That's just what it's all about. It's not about me. It's about you guys, you, you women, mm-hmm. you, you know, the gentlemen, the widowers as well. And we'll get, we'll get to Dr. Bob in a minute and bless his heart. I know he is just patiently waiting, but, um, waiting, yeah, yeah. It's about you now. Yeah, it's about you, and thank you for your patience as well. Thank you so much. So I just want to hand it over I, to you, and as you talk about embracing your grief and redefining your journey, because you definitely have, my sister. Thank you, and absolutely. Um, we have heard so many good tidbits from um, the women that have gone um, before me, um, other widows, and sharing their story. And I will add a little bit to that. Some of it may be repeated in the sense of because we are all finding the same ways to really channel this journey, right? And so I became a widow at, (laughs) it's crazy to say, at 35 years old. Um, Mm. I had no idea, like, that life would throw me that. My daughter was two at the time. My husband and I had, were just shy of celebrating our third wedding anniversary, and he went to sleep and never woke up. Okay. So I had oh. no, no preparation. Mm. I had no warning. Mm. I had no nothing. Literally, my life changed on the same day from one minute literally to the next. Um, and so I was mm. devastated. I was I didn't even, you talk about living a life. I was like, I can't live a life. I can't go on. I don't, I have no idea how to do that. I don't know how to go on from this moment. Um, And what I will say that happened immediately is that my circle of people just engulfed me and put Mm. their arms around me. And I have never felt so much love and friendship and fellowship in my life. Um, that and that, oh, that support system. has definitely, oh, yes. it, it's amazing. It's more, it, it more than just yeah. helps, but it was my lifeline, right? Like they provided wow. my lifeline. And so when I talk about like embracing the grief and redefining the journey, like my friends helped me to embrace everything, right? They helped me to see that, oh my gosh, this is devastating. And we cannot believe that Paul is gone, but we are here with you to make sure that you live out this life, that you've raised this little girl and that you live your best life. Because what I always say is my husband died with too much on the inside of him. Right. And so my husband was filled with so many ideas and so many opportunities, but it didn't all come to fruition. And I refused to allow that to be my story. I said, when it's my time to go, anything that God has given me, I'm going to live it out. So it may seem crazy. Mm -hmm. It may seem disjointed. It may seem I'm involved in way too many things, but I was just like, nope, this is what I have to do. (laughs) So in a very short period of time, 
I became an author because someone, you know, said, hey, I'm recommending you for this book. This woman is putting together a book collaboration about um, single parenting. But that stung me, right? Because I was like, I'm not a single parent. Like, (gasps) what do you mean? Yep, yep. I'm, yeah, yeah. You you know, what is that? Mm -hmm. I'm not a single parent. I was married, but, you know, my husband. But then, you know, I had to remember that regardless of what we call it and regardless of how we felt about it, I now became a, what I, what I reference as a solo parent. Um, And so I said, I am a widow solo parent and people need to understand and hear the story because we hear single parents because we hear that people got divorced or we hear that the fathers were never in the picture. We don't hear single parenting because a person is a widow or widower. And so it was very important for me to share that. Right. And so what mm-hmm. I continue to do is I started different phases. So I started a virtual grief support group. Why? Because there were not other 30-year-old women around me who were widows. And even when mm. I hear the term widow, I think of an 80-year-old white woman, right? And, yeah. like, mm. I, I was like, but I'm 35 yeah. and I'm a widow. What is happening right now? Exactly, um, yeah. And so it's very important to look at that. So. There are um, kind of eight pieces or eight tools that I have used and embraced to be able to get through. And what I think about the holidays, when I think about the birthdays, when I think about all of those things, these are the things. And so number one, that was at the top of my list, three weeks after my husband passed, um, I was in therapy. And I know one of the previous callers talked about therapy. I was in therapy for an entire year. And my background is social work. So it was important to me to get into therapy because I knew that regardless of loving my friends and family, regardless of being a Christian woman who attends church every Sunday, I knew that I needed um, an unbiased person to really talk through my challenges and my grief. And I was very specific, though, about the therapist that I wanted. I wanted a black woman who has, who was married. That was important to me. So it's like mm-hmm. getting into therapy, but also being very specific about who it is and what you want. The second thing that I've talked about a little bit already is your village, right? Your support system. Yeah. And so you have to get in community. It's really easy as a widow to want to just distance yourself and to want to like just pull the sheets over your head, right? But you have right. to, have to, have to get in community and allow your village to be there for you. And so my village showed up for me in a way that um, one of my friends from high school, her and her husband, every single Tuesday, <clears throat> excuse me, we have dinner together. So their, their family with their two daughters, myself and my daughter, we go to their house every Tuesday. We have dinner. Oh, We've been gone. doing it. My husband's been gone for five and a half years, and we still do it. <laughs> Oh, that is awesome. I like that. I like that. It's major. Um, Number three, lean into the emotion. We are so quick to wipe the tears very quickly. We're very quick to, like, get ourselves together, pull ourselves up. If it's depression at the time, like, you just don't want to be bothered, lean into that. If it's you need to cry it out for 30 minutes, lean into that. Like, do it so that you can release what's happening at that time and then so that you can take a step back and say, okay, I've gotten that emotion all off my chest and out of my system. Now I can clearly see what's next or what do I need to do next. 
Um, and so instead of like removing that emotion, I always say lean into it. Um, yeah. Being open and present to everything. What I mean by being open and present to everything, shortly after my husband's death, I had a friend who was going to Paris with their family and said, hey, you and Simone should come to Paris with us. In my mind, I'm thinking, how can I go to Paris and my husband just died? But then on the flip side, what did I promise God? I said any opportunity that would come my way, I would lean into that. And so my daughter and I, I had a two-year-old, and we went to Paris with our friends, and it was one of the best decisions that I ever made um, because it just continued to open the door and, you know, create new opportunities. Um, Number five, create new traditions that live out the legacy of the person. And what I mean by that is my husband is a Fourth of July baby. So the way he would start his birthday was with playing uh, tennis. And so I was never into tennis. I never really got into it. But what we do every 4th of July, and my daughter looks forward to it, is we go play tennis. We start every 4th of July on the tennis court because that's what my husband would do, and that's how we live out his legacy. Um, And so that's very important. Um, Number six, I got three more to go. Number six is optimism is a choice, and it's a mindset. So I am, by nature, a very optimistic person. So I always see the glasses half full, and if it is half empty, I'm trying to figure out a way to fill it up. And so it's a choice, though. We make a choice. One of the callers earlier referenced making a choice to be happy, and I choose every single day to say this is tough. Some days I'm really upset. I'm upset at God. I'm upset at my husband. But I'm making Mm -hmm. a choice to get through it. I'm making a choice to live out a wonderful mindset and realize that, this world still has so much to offer. Um, Number seven, I have to be okay with relinquishing control because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. I control the fact that my husband is gone. And so I have to be okay recognizing and realizing that no matter what the situation is, I have to relinquish that control. Um, And then last but not least, it's spiritual connectedness. I could not do any of this without being connected to a higher power. And for me, as a Christian woman, that is what I choose, and everybody has their differences. But at the end of the day, when you have a higher power, you can walk in faith, and you can understand and believe that God has your back no matter what it is. Um, And so the few words that, like, I try to make sure that I always live by and things that you know, I think about is like grief is never ending. It's always yep. with us, surfacing <laughs> when we least expect it. I've learned exactly. by God's grace to channel it in a way that gives me strength, that reminds me of the beauty of life each day. Grief is an experience that one combats to share, encourage, and motivate others. It means that you have lived through a tough time. It may have knocked you down, but it has not knocked you out. Grief is a gift. Each day, I seek to find the gift in the grief. The gift in the grief. Wow. Thank you so much for this. You know, it's embracing your life and redefining your journey. That's, it's hard for many widows to embrace our mm-hmm. grief, you know, and to mm-hmm. redefine our journey. And you have mentioned, well, I'm a widow at 35. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, for you to say that, it reminds me of even in the group, 
you know, a lot of widows are, are being referred to it, but they don't want to join because they can't accept it. And they're new exactly. widows. And it's, yeah, and they don't want to. They, they You envision a widow with maybe an older woman with all black on. And, you know, it's just a term exactly. that we don't want to come to grips. We don't want to come to grips with. And I definitely commend you for embracing your grief and, and definitely redefining your journey. So you're a woman on the move, most definitely. And I Thank truly, you. I truly, truly appreciate you, uh, Elle, um, you know, for just hanging in there, um, being a part of uh, this call, and just relaying to everyone, you know, your journey. So I truly appreciate mm-hmm. that. No, I thank you. I thank, thank you, you for so the platform much. and for the opportunity. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you once again. And you stay warm out there in Chicago. Yeah, it's oh a little chilly, goodness. but that's okay. We go, look, we're going to embrace that too, right? We're going to embrace There you go. Embrace it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank All you, right, Sabra. Listeners, we have, absolutely. Listeners, we have one more. Um, speaker, and he is a widower, Robert Dr. Bob Wright. His subtopic is existential grief, the invisible hole in your heart that you can feel but you can't see. Dr. Bob, the stress relief doctor, is an executive stress management wellness coach who he helps high-achieving individuals and groups get ahead of the stress curve by giving them the tools they need to address and dissolve their habitual stress, anxiety, grief, and chronic pain. You may follow him at www.stressfreenow.info or his handle on Instagram is stressreliefdoc, D-O-C. Well, all right, and we're finally getting to you Dr. Bob, thank you so much for your patience. How are you doing? Awesome, Saber. I <laughs> want to thank you so very much for for having me on. Uh, as I was listening to the various presenters, uh, I was so touched at how mm. each person's story, uh, it doesn't matter how it happened, um, mm-hmm. you come away with the sense of, well, I'm listening to this person's story. Uh, I'm tr- I'm trying not to break down and have re-triggered my own grief. Um, and and yeah. and what 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 the 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 level of sincerity and authenticity. Um, uh, what what struck me was, you know, when you, when we hear truth. You can feel it. You can yes, feel it. You felt it. I felt it. Yeah. And and absolutely. and so so I want to say to the other presenters and to your to the audience, um, uh, explain how I came to be on this call. Uh, last year, um, I was on the internet and uh, and because I've written about a grief, complicated grieving and and um, existential grief, I saw um, uh, something on the internet and said, hey, hey. Uh, a uh, a conference on 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 grief and black widowhood and so i tapped into your call last year and i was i remember yeah. being so impressed and i contacted you and so now yeah. here i am this is a year there later 
Um, and, and, and I think, um, you know, I've written two articles for your, your magazine, your blog, and, yeah. and, and I have to tell you, I'm so thrilled to, um, that, that to have the allowed to be, uh, a male member of, of Black <laughs> Widow's group. And so I just want to say, um, you know, I I I uh was married to an angel. My wife Christine, uh we we met mm. at the uh yeah. at a um a gala event at the United Nations in New York City. And the story I always tell is that, you know, after 8 days of dating, I asked her to marry me. <laughs> so yeah. when I was listening to some Are of the stories, serious? you know, when I really? I I, I I say to pe- people say to me, you 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 ask her to marry you after eight days. I said, well, I said not quite. What it is, we were friends for almost two years, and 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 the basis of our relationship was friendship, and so oh. there came a point when um, it just like obvious that that well, gee, how come I I never dated her. You know, I, I was a knucklehead, <laughs> right? <laughs> right in front of me. I mean, like I just say it like that. And so the other piece is that I was thinking as I was listening. You know, what what could I contribute to this conversation? You know, um, you know, I have a scholarly background. Um, uh, I, I, you know, now I'm, uh, uh, my wife has passed away, and I just wanted to. What I was thinking was, I I, I wanted to um, to share a piece of my story before I just dive into this topic, which was, you know, I found, we found out that my wife had stage four breast cancer. Um, That was the diagnosis. You know, she went to the hospital, she was dehydrated and we got there Mm. and then the guy says, well, what's going on with your wife's breast? And we said, what are you talking about? And so when they came back with the CAT scan, et cetera, so, like, they didn't want to say, but the breast surgeon came, and he's like, well, she's not a candidate for uh, surgery. So, like, we didn't know what that meant, but at the time, you oh know, that meant God. she's at stage four. So, fast forward, uh, about six months later, um, so at that time, we were living we were living in South Florida, uh, in the Fort Lauderdale area. And so, you know, we're from New York, so we came up to New York, and... Um, and uh, make a long story short, um, my wife started hemorrhaging. Uh, she was in the bathroom and she screamed. And I went and and I caught her before she fell to the floor. And I was like, "Honey, hold on, you know." And her eyes rolled back in her head. And I got her to sip water. And fortunately, I was able to get her to the hospital. So now, get this: we get to the emergency room, and um, you know, the emergency room was packed. This is New York City. And, um, you know, I say to the guy, I said, listen, my wife is hemorrhaging, so they take her right away. Long story short is that after she's examined by the specialist who turned out to be a trainee, she says, oh, well, your wife doesn't need to be admitted to the hospital. She can come back, to, uh, you know, tomorrow. So fortunately, oh, you know, after, um, yeah. you know, I said to her, she, she said to me, is that okay? I said, I said, well, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I said, but at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to be at the, at the, in the office of the chair of the Health and Hospitals Corporation uh, chairman to find out why you have this job as an OBGYN, because I think you're an idiot. So fortunately, oh. the emergency room doctor overruled, and my wife was admitted into the hospital. And so once they admitted her, uh, I said, honey, how many pints of blood do you have? I said, they've given you five pints of blood. What does that tell you? 
It would be like a car. You're out of oil, right? So that that is um, just a piece of my story. So the worst part was that not only did my wife have uh, breast cancer, stage four we found out it was six months later after the hemorrhaging, we found out that she also had uterine cancer after the biopsy. Oh. And so anyone that knows anything about cancer would, it could tell you how rare that is. In fact, we have friends that were doctors that said, are you sure of this diagnosis? Okay, so now I'm going to just um, uh, briefly uh, go into this topic because this this is a very um, uh, um, um, this is a topic where almost everyone's affected, but they don't know it. <laughs> so existential oh, grief, yeah. you know, and so that's why I, you know, I've titled it. Uh, it's an invisible little known that 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 it's there, but you don't know it because it, it's below your conscious awareness, and it it basically hides in in, in a blind spot in in our, our our awareness that we can't see it. Okay, so I okay. I think um, you know all of us know what normal grief is, but one of the things that that that's little talked about is What's the purpose of grief, you know, from an evolutionary mm-hmm. standpoint? So, so, so one way of looking at grief is, is, is the purpose would be to recalibrate your nervous system in order to uh, increase your, our chances of survival. So, for example, um, uh, if you think of an animal in the wild, like, you know, a lion or, or, or a tiger chased an antelope and, and caught it, if you've ever watched Wild Kingdom, and you see what happens is that if the animal is able to escape, it will run, and then it will start vigorously shaking. Well, that vigorous shaking is, uh, is its way of uh, recalibrating its nervous system, and then you'll just see the animal start walking and grazing again. The issue is, is that we need that same type of thing, but the only problem is as human beings, we have this thing called a mind, and we have a tendency to overthink. So we get into a grief situation, and so we still need a way to recalibrate. And so that, that's basically what, what, what grief's doing. Now, when your spouse dies, um, that, you know, would be considered a form of tangible grief. You know, you can see the body, et cetera. What mass existential grief is the fact that there's no body, um, uh, there's nothing that you can look at, but it causes like a gap or hole in your system. So, you know, yeah. existential grief, if, if, you know, one way of looking at it is it's a complicated form of grieving, grieving, but, you know, the underlying causes are intangible. So, for example, um, it can be uh, caused by a sense of betrayal of trust. Uh, um, the, the person has, a, a, you know, a global collapse of their sense of identity as a spouse, as a mother, uh, uh, you know, a husband. Um, the, there, there, there can be a sense of a, a loss of community or a sense of not being from a place anymore. Um, also, a very important one is a loss of faith. I know someone on the, on the call actually men, mentioned, where was God? You know, how come, you know, I wasn't protected? You know, how, how could this yeah. happen? And so, you know, many people have that kind of questioning. Um, 
And then uh, a huge cause is that if a person has, uh, you know, experienced homelessness or they fit into the uh, IBM category. So, for example, many people uh, are grew up in families in the private sector, and then every two, three years their family moved, or they were in mil- military families, and, you know, they moved around the world, which sounds like a great thing. However, every time as a child you would move, imagining you're going to, uh, leave the school, your friends, and the, the the easy way I tell people as analogy to see it, imagine um, you're a kid five years old or six years old and you, you get a puppy or kitten that you raised, you know, right from the beginning, and now it's three years later and you have to leave that cat or, or dog every time you move. And so for most people that would be devastating because, you know, by that time the kitten and the puppies are yeah. part of your family. And so this mm-hmm. is... This is what um, the existential grief does um, uh, as, as a symptom. Okay. So, so you know, the issue here is is that we don't have enough time to to really go through everything that's entailed with the existential grief. So, so Saber, um, you know, I think it would be helpful if. Um, if uh if i just tell the your, uh, the the listeners that that um that i have a full outline of of what i would need to be say said about existential grief in the article that will be on your blog et cetera, because it's, it's it's actually quite extensive okay. you know there's there are nine yeah. stages of things that you need to do to handle existential grief but before i go I, I, I want to address this, this one issue, um, which I think is, is really critical at, at this time, and that's the issue of, of, you know, a person grieving and you're simultaneously facing racist, sexist, uh, um, discrimination uh, or you know um, or financial issues, and I and I and I mm-hmm. think that 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 mm-hmm. that that needs to be talked about because it does, um, yeah. I I think you know one one presenter already mentioned that you know women are strong or I should say black people are strong, um, but the the issue is that that when you're grieving. And these things happen to you. It's not like an extra brick is being put in your your basket. It's like cinder blocks, and so mm-hmm. so yeah. the weight of cinder blocks. So if you can picture that, you know, uh, the size of a brick versus a cinder block because you're grieving. So the issue is you you really need tools. I was really happy to hear so many um, presenters talk about resiliency and stress hardiness. You know, I'm the stress relief doctor, so that's right in my belly. <laughs> I thought and about you. I thought about you, yeah. <laughs> thank you. And so, 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 so many people in our communities, whether they're grieving or not, are at the the uh, the facing the wall of stress burnout, you know, and if you hit that stress burnout wall while you're grieving, yes. you might not make it. And so, because yes, you're facing depression, you know, you uh, uh, fatigue at a level of like chronic fatigue, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the the bottom line, uh, Saber, is I want to leave um, uh, people on this call, and and please refer people to the um, the link to my article on existential grief, because um, I realize mm-hmm. in, in ten minutes I I can't, you know, I wouldn't be able to do justice. But the yeah. thing is, what I want to <laughs> Purdue is 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 uh, 
just briefly talk about solutions, okay? Because I think we solutions, know yeah. what an, 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 the um, analysis is, but we need to spend 90% of our time on what are the solutions to this racism thing, this sexism thing, when you're grieving, right? You know, you're on your yeah. job, and, 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 and somebody, um, you know, they say something or do something and trying to get up underneath your fingernails. And the bottom line is, is that... Um, that we have to learn how not to blow our top because uh, what I compare this to is like a football metaphor that, you know, when you're going down the field and trying to score a touchdown, you would think that as you get closer to the end zone, it gets easier, but it's actually the opposite. You know, Dr. Maria Nemes talks about this thing, throw at the border. So now picture this, you're grieving and you are about to, um, you know, buy a house or, you know, um, uh, get the money to get your kids to, to, to for college or whatever, and you're at the five-yard line, and then what do they do in football? They dig in, right? They try to make sure you don't cross that end zone. And so, so the racism, sexism, et cetera, they, these are all forms of intimidation and bullying. But the main thing bullying, is yeah. that you, we have to, 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 to stay centered and have presence of mind. So sometimes we're in an untenable situation. And, and, and so I, I heard, I think, believe two of the presenters say, the importance of reframing. That's actually an NLP technique, and so neurolinguistic yeah. programming. So, so one of the things that, we, that you can do is to reframe the racist or sexist thing into a, a motivation and said, you know, I've been thinking of starting my business. You know, I better get on it and go down and get my business license. I need to do my business plan. I need to talk to some investors. I need yeah. to, you know, look at my savings. Um, you know, these people are really, you know, uh, giving me a hard time. You know what I need to do? I need to go back in school and, and, and get those additional certifications so that I can make more money. And so, Sabre, I just want to um, leave um, the, 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 the other presenters and the listeners with this story. I worked on a job one time. I wasn't grieving, but I'm just imagining someone is grieving. There was a guy, a black guy, uh, who was extra sharp. And when I say extra sharp, he used to wear only polo. Even when it was raining outside, his shoes were glistening. So the people, some of the people, they hated him. This is in the Wall Street area. I mean, this guy was sweet. He wore cufflinks. He had the tie bar, right? Okay. So now, every day on his desk at 3 o'clock, he had an apple. And at 3 o'clock, he would eat the apple, and that's how he kept from eating sweets, et cetera. You know, a lot of us, like, we like chocolate break, but he, yeah. he, was, he, he was eating apple the apple. Okay, so here's yeah. the thing. So on this one day, he picks up the apple at 3 o'clock, and he gets ready to bite into it. And just before biting into it, he sees that someone has bitten out of the apple. So instead of blowing his top, he just took the apple and he chucked it into the garbage bin, right? And he went back to work at his desk. Now, 4.30 came, and the guy who had done it um, comes over to his desk. And you have to picture this. We're in an office. It's like an open bullpen, so everybody can see what's going on. He comes over to his desk, and he says, he says, he says, you know, you're a better guy than me. He says, I was hoping that you were going to blow your top and explode. 
And so oh. the black guy looks up at him and he says, he says, I figured it was you. He says, I didn't want to give you the satisfaction. Now, here's That's the point it. of the yeah. story. Two and a half weeks later, the black guy, because he had been looking for uh, to make a move up, he had a job that was playing two and a half times the salary that he was making, plus he was going to have an expense account. Now, if he had blown his top, right, if he had taken the, the what I call the poison meat bait, then yes, that's what they're yes. trying to do. Then he he would have lost that opportunity. He would have he been would seen have. as a hysterical. And that's really the point. Like with black women, that that's the they try to paint you with that brush. If you say or do the same thing that you know a white guy does, oh she's hysterical. Oh she's fear. She's lost fear. She's lost her mind. Right. And so in the context of grieving. You know, these things are all tragedy. So I want to end on this note by just saying that, um, you know, keep your eye on the prize that when when these adverse things happen to you, especially in the context of your, that you're grieving, you know, in my case, my wife died last July. So it's basically only 15 months since she passed away. And I could tell you that Every day, if I go outside, I experience some kind of racist thing. And I'm in New York, and I've been living in Florida. But by living in South Florida, it opened my eyes, and I said, oh, my gosh, this is really bad. And I think everybody, you know, since 2015, 2016, you, everybody can really see. They're wearing their Ku Klux Klan hoods in the daytime. So that's a good thing because now we don't have to guess. Hello? Yes, I'm still here. Oh. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were finished, but wow, what a presentation. And most definitely, you know, that's one thing we do have to do. We have to stay centered, and we have to reframe it into a motivational act. So now I'm going to look at apples of complete in a whole new light. <laughs> I love apples. I love apples. And every time um, I take a bite, I'm going to complete my apple. <laughs> And and I think, you know, because when you look at the biblical context of the apple and Satan, et cetera, and, 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 and Sabra, I just want to say this. You know, um, I'm a very conservative guy. I never used to talk like this. For 25 years, last 25 years, I've been totally apolitical. But what happened to me in living in Florida, I had a, a redneck guy in a red pickup truck drag a white noose in front of my car, okay, while I was waiting for my wife. And from that moment, I, the realization that we live in a society that tries to undermine our progress in every single way, both institutionally and individually. You know, I mean, I feel really fortunate because, you know, I've been able to do some things that other people didn't do. You know, my wife and I, we did a world cruise. I've been around the world. We had a double honeymoon. So I feel fortunate. But what I'm saying is that every single day, even with all of that, I still, I walk out my door and, you know, I went outside and um, the, they put nails the, to, to give me flat tires on the way to the garage. Oh, no. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm so so, so what I'm saying is at every <clears throat> single level. Mm. So we have to what you're doing is so beautiful that one of the main things is that we have to learn how to cooperate and collaborate with each other and support each other because this thing with the crabs in a barrel of envy and jealousy and not being able to be happy for someone else's success has to stop. We control mm. that. We control of not being jealous or envious and being happy. And then the other issue is uh, when uh, I think uh, several of the speakers mentioned this, being able to be okay with accepting help and support because that is critical when you are grieving. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, this this has been so helpful. Um, You... You know, giving us a brief background on existential grief, and I'm definitely going to get that. That blog is going to is is scheduled to to be up today, and I'm going to put a link to that blog um, for your article, and the solutions to racism and sexism when grieving. You know, it's really hard. It really is hard yes. to be a person of color, and it's the truth when you're grieving because you have so many other things coming at you and racism and sexism. And let's be honest. um, It is, you know, it's serious. It's, it's, it's serious for many people of color, many black men and women. We go through it. We go through it. And this was one of the reasons why I really wanted to hone in on that and, and have, you know, black, men and women speakers come and talk about grief and resilience and, and being a widow, being a black widow, that is, and how they handle all of that thrown at them while grieving. It's hard. And so the steps that you provided, learn how to not blow our top. That is that is imperative, especially, you know, in the workplace, Um, You can't blow your top. You have to stay focused. It's going to be hard, but, you know, you you have a job to do. And you can't let them see you croak. You can't let them see you, you know, act out. We got to stay centered, and we got to reframe it into motivation. I love it. I love it. Sabre, this I just wanted such... to say this one one last thing. Um Absolutely. so so the the issue is is that notwithstanding all the negativity, most people are good. And and so we have to see how we in every space we enter into how we can get to the yes. And so when we right. stay on the mountain uh, that 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 even when you know the the evil forces come against us, they hate it when when we don't react. And so as we learn to be proactive, it, it increases your resiliency, your stress hardiness, and your ability to achieve. And that's, this is truly the last thing that I will say. When I saw the the the, the woman, the gymnast. Um, uh, and I listened to the sportscasters as she won all those gold medals. They said, you know, 
it's this is really unfair to the other competitors because her skill set is so high above them that that they could never meet what she's been doing. And so what I suggest is that 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 is the track when the 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 racist, sexist, discriminatory act is coming at you, whether you're in a meeting and you speak or you raise your hand, they don't acknowledge you. And so because they know we are the descendants of royalty. Mm. Mm. And with that, I have to end this this call, this podcast. It you know, we have one sixty seconds left. This was so on time. Thank you so much, Dr. Bob, for your input, your enlightening about around existential grief. Um, callers, we have run out of time. Thanks for listening to our virtual holiday podcast and symposium sponsored by Black Women Widows and Power. So if you like to show if you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, again, blackwomenwidowsandpower.com, or leave us a review on iTunes, or even on here at blogtalkradio.com. Thank you once again. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, speakers. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it, and I wish you nothing but the best. And you all take care and enjoy this great holiday weekend, this cold holiday weekend, that is. All right, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.